This is Alan Condon with the Becker's ASC podcast, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Max Adcock, Director of ASC and Quality Care at Mississippi Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Center. Uh, Max, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Fantastic. So, Max, before we kind of dive into our discussion today, I'd love to turn the floor over to you to hear a little bit about, obviously, yourself, your role, your background, and, of course, your, your ASC as well. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, yeah, my name is Max Adcock. I am actually a nurse as a background, but I actually have business experience as well. I've been the quality uh, manager for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi, which gives me a great um, into this role here where we're continuing looking at reimbursement and quality here at Mississippi Sports Medicine. I'm currently the director over the ASC. We have eight ORs and three procedure rooms and undergoing expansion to add four more ORs and four more procedure rooms. So by the end of November, we'll have 12 ORs as well as seven procedure rooms. Uh, primarily an orthopedic ASC working with one group. We do um, all spine procedures, total joints, as well as pain injections and nerve stimulators and pain stimulators also. Um, so we do roughly 13,000 to 15,000 cases a year from this surgery center in Flowood. Well, certainly, certainly sounds like a, a busy operation down there and delighted to kind of dive a little bit deeper here today. Um, so, so Max, to, to kick off the conversation, I'd love to hear um, what are the two or three most interesting, exciting trends that, that you're following in healthcare today? Sure. I think, you know, the main thing we're looking at is improving efficiency. So many people move towards an ASC setting out of a hospital setting to really look at the experience overall. They enjoy they're coming into a smaller building. They're getting checked in very quickly, moving through the process quickly, going to PACU uh, for recovery room, and then heading out of the door as soon as possible. So things that we're continuing looking on are improving our EHR to improve efficiency with check-in. Uh, we're looking at kiosks so the patients can start checking in prior to their arrival. They can get online and send us their insurance benefits. They can check in via their car even so that we know that they're here, uh, which improves our check-in process. So that's really the main thing we're looking at right now to improve efficiency. Uh, second thing we're really looking at as you look at reimbursement uh, continues to uh, especially decline down the road for CMS as well as private insurers. We're looking at maximizing profitability by introducing different procedures uh, that we can utilize our procedure rooms for. Anything we can do under local anesthetic in a procedure room where we can use a smaller amount of staff, a smaller amount of supplies. Um, we're continuing looking at their different vendors and different implant companies who are coming out with products that you would normally think of in an operating room that we can now do in a procedure room. Um, so we're, we're really diving into those as much as possible, especially with the expansion coming and four more additional procedure rooms. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for that breakdown, Max. And I'd love to hear um, biggest challenges that you're facing right now at your center. Uh, what are you seeing in your market? I know um, is staffing the number one priority, is consolida consolidation on the radar, competition. Well, what are you kind of looking at and preparing for at the moment? Yeah, I think in an outpatient setting, especially in a private institution, staffing is a, a huge deal at this point, especially post-COVID um, with so many hospitals and um, travel agencies offering large dollar amounts for contract staff. There's no way to really maximize profitability and maintain you know, a good standard for your staffing dollars when people can easily leave and make large amounts of money doing contracts or traveling. So we, what we really look at um, as um, a... As a, as a trend and what are we, our challenges would probably be um, looking at our contracts because um, we can't, you know, staffing, we can always control or pay and then we have to have X amount of staff. But if we can continue to negotiate great prices for our implants 
and good prices for all the supplies that we use. I think that's the main way we can maximize profitability. Um, and for us, really understanding everything that goes into those surgeries to know exactly what our dollars per case is, um, that's, that's really the best way that we can, we can make things work and make sure that we're ensuring profitability. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, like you said, it's such a challenging labor market across the healthcare space at the moment. But I'm wondering what kind of strategies have you found useful, beneficial in terms of um, really kind of recruiting and retaining that, that top quality, top level talent at your organization? Sure. Yeah. Retaining employees, we're, we're lucky that we work with one orthopedic group with 20 physicians. So there's consistency with the physicians that we work with. And having that consistency allows us to improve efficiency. You know, those doctors come in we can have, you know, some physicians who do eight or nine total knee and total hip replacements within an eight hour period. Um, so the staff working with them, you know, they gain that trust with the physician. The physicians gain that trust with the staff. And so the relationship between them is very symbiotic. Um, so that's, you know, they, they treat each other very well because without one another, then the job can't be done. Um, so we, we, you know, we know that we can't continue to increase the pay for staff because then that, you know, down the road will kind of bite you in, at the end. Um, but we try and reward our staff. We make sure we have employee of the month, make sure we recognize staff for a job well done. Um, we incentivize staff to um, help with additional cases. You know, if we're trying to add on, you know, new procedures, if we're working with one certain physician for something new, we'll incentivize staff to make sure they're on, on board with these uh, new procedures we're doing or right at the front of the cutting edge things that we're trying to implement. Um, so we make sure that staff's involved with all decisions we make as well. I think it's very good to be transparent with staff, especially as, you know, we're expanding, adding on different product lines, adding on different procedures. Uh, it's very good to be transparent with staff so that you have that trusting relationship. Um, but really for us, it's ensuring that they know that they're beneficial to us, that they are um, very um, well, uh, they're needed for what we're doing and that we show them gratitude on a daily basis. So I think it's just, you know, patting them on the back, telling them they did a good job, randomly buying lunch, um, buying them um, certain little treats here or there, recognizing them for certain surgical services week, just doing the little things here or there um, that really show um, how grateful you are to have them here as part of your staff. So really those, the little things that really does matter and count the most. Um, Correct. I mean, pay, pay, you know, jumps over and, and pay can, you can, sometimes can never be enough. And sometimes you can't compete with other organizations for pay. But the little things that you do that show your appreciation for them, I think, really go a long way. Got it. Yeah. And Mike, going back, I mean, obviously you said it sounds like a really, really busy, busy operation you're running down there, approaching 13,000 to 15,000 cases a year. Um, in terms of um, new service lines, new procedures that you're adding, kind of what are you looking at? What are kind of the areas of growth over the next couple of years? Uh, we're looking at, you know, CMS changes total shoulders to be in the outpatient list. You know, we're, we're growing with that volume as well for total shoulders. Uh, we've got one of our vendors who's, you know, bringing in a, a smaller a product that we can do knee scopes under local anesthetic in a procedure room. Um, aside from taking a full staff and anesthesia into an OR, we can look at doing diagnostic knee scopes in a procedure room. So looking at um, something along those lines, as well as our back and spine doctors bringing some of those more acute cases to the ASC, uh, I think that's really the direction that a lot of our payers are moving towards is to currently we have to justify you know, why this patient needs to be done in a hospital versus, you know, previously it was why are we doing them outpatient versus inpatient. So I think, you know, from us looking at even doing two-level, you know, ACDFs to three-level ACDFs that normally you wouldn't even imagine doing in an outpatient setting that we're now going to start doing here. Um, and you think that's, 
that's really something that, that is changing and that's something that we are having to really work with staff on to ensure the staff realizes that it is safe to do in this environment, that we're going through the appropriate clearance processes for these patients. Um, but I really think that that's, that's something that we're, we're moving towards here. Yeah, really interesting. Like you said, seeing these super higher acuity spine surgeries, two, three level ACDFs, like you said, being done now in the ASCs. I'm curious, um, in terms of migrating those cases to the outpatient setting, uh, is there anything special that you need to kind of do to implement um, in terms of technology, or is it just kind of like you said, training the staff, making sure they know the ins and outs of the procedure and what to kind of expect? expect? Sure, it's really for us. You know, it's working with the clinic staff. Our our clinic is works very closely with the surgery center because it's mainly one big orthopedic practice. So us ensuring that the clinic staff is selecting the right patients to be done safely in the outpatient setting, um, looking at any of the patient's comorbidities, ensuring that we have the appropriate clearances for the patient. You know, if they need to see an internal medicine physician. Um, or a cardiology or pulmonology pulmonologist, uh, just to ensure that we have gone over every measure to ensure that we are treating the patient as safely as possible and have the right patient selection for this center. Um, and as you said, and, and I said previously, I really think it's enforcing that with staff, that we are doing everything possible to maintain safety in the organization and ensure that we are taking care of the patients correctly versus just moving those patients to an outpatient setting because that's what insurance companies tell us we need to do. Um, I think it's, you know, it's very important for staff to understand that we're all here, you know, to operate safely, to have a good environment for patients to have a great experience in, and we always want a positive outcome. Uh, yeah, really interesting to get to get your two cents there. And and Max, looking down the down the line and saying like three, five years ahead, are there any kind of uh, any industry trends that you're keeping your eye on that you're kind of preparing for, uh, particularly in your market or the wider on a national level? Sure. You know, we Mississippi um, implemented you know, bundles for our total joints that we do a lot of with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, I, I think down the road, there's going to be a lot more bundled procedures that we'll have to work with. Um, and for us, getting in on the front end with some of our private payers, I think has been done really good for us. It's allowed us to establish a program for how we're including all of the um, home health services as well as the outpatient PT after total joints in with our payment and creating a good system about how we are keeping track with that and then paying those vendors um, separately. Um, but, you know, the, the flip side of that is, you know, anything that comes in afterwards, it's included in a 90-day bundle window, um, we are responsible for. So it actually, it helps all of the um, contracted vendors within that bundle assume the risk of those procedures. Um, but I, I think down the road, there's going to be a lot more procedures that are bundled um, because payers, private payers, as well as, you know, maybe CMS or Medicare down the road are going to see the benefits in bundling that from a financial incentive on their end. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, with all these higher costs kind of, um, you know, on the reimbursement side, obviously you continue to, we're seeing declines there on the Medicare side, potentially commercial payers as well. I think bang on the money there in terms of more and more uh, ASCs, physicians potentially might be dipping their toes in, in the bundle payment realm uh, in, the, in the near future. And I'm wondering for ASCs who are considering just that in terms of getting involved in a total joint, like you said, a Blue Cross or Shield or another pair, um, have you got any advice for them? Like one to two things they should kind of look out for or prepare for before they kind of make that jump? Yeah, I really think, you know, for us, we've, we've done really well with partnering with the correct um, vendors and providers for home health and physical therapy. You know, we are completely dependent upon the job that they do. Uh, if that patient comes back because home health wasn't sufficient or physical therapy wasn't efficient and they have to come back for a second procedure, you know, we, of course, don't get paid for that. 
So it's ensuring that we're selecting the appropriate people who we know are going to do a good job to provide those services to our patients. You know, and again, if we are, you know, allowing them to choose, but we're educating them on who we're partnered with and contracted with, you know, I hope that we're sending them to people who are going to do a great job. Um, again, if, if we start bundling more procedures and we have um, different partners and vendors and we go out there to, you know, 20 different PT groups versus the five that we're contracted with, I think it opens up, uh, us up to more risk and the chance for things to not go the way we, that we would like. So I think selecting the appropriate people, selecting the people we know are, are going to do a good job um, and represent our company well um, is the best step. So I really think it's creating those partnerships with the vendors who you're going to send your patients out to um, is the most important aspect for us. That's a great, great advice there for any of these looking to, to, to follow in your footsteps. Um, and finally, lastly, before we let you go, Max, I'd love to hear from you. Um, for other ASC administrators out there, what advice do you have for them in terms of looking to build a great culture and sustain success? I, I think for us, you know, we hit on staffing earlier with staffing being such a large issue within healthcare today. It's really retaining those employees and doing whatever you can to make sure they feel valuable and that, you know, we need them to continue our success. Of course, none of us would be here in the positions we are without all of the OR staff, with all the pre-op PACU and all the nurses, surgical techs, um, sterile processing. Without everybody here, we wouldn't be able to do the case volume that we are doing. Um, so I think it's ensuring that staff feels appreciated with all those little things. Um, and that's, that's a real good way to build culture. When they know they're appreciated, you tell them on a daily basis, you do little things for them spontaneously. Um, it's great. And I think that's, that's really how you create a successful program also. Um, it's hard to be successful and maintain consistency with staff turnover. So by you know, taking care of those employees, they stick around longer. They enjoy the, the, the job they're doing and their environment they're in. So therefore, they give you, you know, a good product in, the, in return. I think uh, some fantastic advice to, to wrap up on today. Again, thank you so much for joining us today, Max. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, and uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation down the line. Sure thing. Great. Thanks for having me.